What's up, fellow car enthusiasts? Welcome to an episode of Behind the Boost presented by MA Performance. I'm your host, Charlie Main, and today we plan to bring you some of the behind the scenes of the automotive world. In today's episode, I'm joined by Chris Carey, co-founder and president of MA Performance. Today we talk about how MA Performance got started, some of his favorite builds we've had along this journey, and uh, the future of the automotive industry as a whole. You don't want to miss this one. Stay tuned. Chris, thank you so much for carving out the time to join us today. This is super awesome. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's it's actually our pleasure. So for people who don't know you or anything like that, you know, why don't you go ahead and give us the, you know, once over who you are and then maybe we can dive into some other stuff. Um, as you mentioned earlier, I'm the co-founder and president of Modern Automotive Performance uh, going on up on 14 years here on July 1st. So it's been quite a ride. Yeah, I uh, live in Cottage Grove, Minnesota here with uh, my two lovely daughters. We're about a mile and a half from the shop. Uh, in normal times, I would be commuting back and forth, but uh, obviously working from home in the, the COVID-19 era here. Been a car enthusiast most of my life. I was drag racing when we started this whole this whole thing and it led me down this path. So it's been uh, a wild ride. Very, very fortunate to uh, be a part of this. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's it's always amazing to me that, you know, a lot of the people who've been here for so long actually are, you know, car enthusiasts you know, at heart. And that's kind of what inspired them to seek out something in this industry. And it sounds like you just kind of created your own, your own lane and, you know, made, made this into what it is today with, you know, obviously the help of a great team and whatnot as well, but you guys have been on the forefront of things since you started it. It sounds like, at least from my perspective. Yeah. Fortunately now, Charlie, you get to say we, because you're, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, we, we just saw an opportunity in regards to, so I was in consumer electronics and there was a big focus on um, customer service, the customer experience. And so I was able to take that, what I learned in that realm and apply it to um, the automotive aftermarket. And that's been, it's proven wildly successful for us, you know, and, and for the most part for many years when we first started, we didn't have to do much in the way of marketing. You know, we certainly weren't paying for advertising because our customers did it for us and it was all about word of mouth. And, um, you know, still to this day, obviously, as you are well aware, one of our core values is to enhance the customer experience. And we still rely on that uh, tremendously. And I credit that uh, our success to that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, um, you know, I think a lot of the customers, I, I could agree, at least just from, again, the small amount of time that I've been a part of the team, um, that it's definitely something where the, the customers definitely do a lot of the bragging about what we do for us. And I think there's no better way to, you know, spread the awareness of your products or your customer service or whatever you offer than that. Yeah, there's been, um, and, and don't get me wrong, we've certainly hit our snags throughout the years. Um, you know, uh, even now, I mean, we're experiencing so much influx from the, the current economic environment and the stimulus checks and things along those lines, while trying to maintain the safety and wellness of our employees, you know, we're, we're experiencing backlogs, both in our manufacturing, uh, you know, customer support, I mean, several areas of the business, it, it, it can be difficult, but you know, it's nice to get in and, and you'll, you'll see if you find a customer complaint about us somewhere on social media or elsewhere, it's very likely that you'll see our customers kind of chime in and be like, Hey, give them a break. Their order volume is going through the roof right now. Their intentions are good. I've had great experiences with them. And um, it always brings a smile to my face when 
when I encounter that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we've even had some of those instances a counter when we're on these live streams. You know, if somebody's having a hard time getting a hold of people, they've been able to get a hold of us right here, and we've ultimately been able to take care of them because. Again, we do care at, at the core. I think, again, the core value is about putting the customer first and whatnot. We all tend to embody that. And so if we can all just solve the problem wherever we can, you know, I know Dalen being on here, he's able to just get them in touch with the right person like that. And it made it happen. Um, I so think like one, one thing that Chris kind of touched on, but I don't even know if we talked about, like one of the main reasons why this company exists is because of the issues that prior to us existing, people that work here or now are co-founders and owners had issues with customer service with you know other aspects of the business. And the, the automotive aftermarket was not really known for customer service. But you know, it was known for like you call one dude named Gus at the back room and he tells you to wait until he's ready to go. And like that was kind of a you know what I think some people watching don't know is that I like I worked here a long time ago and came back. And one of the things that was instilled in me when I was younger working here was that customer service is the number one thing. Like nothing else matters if you can't get that right. And that was something that Chris and a lot of the other people that have been here for a long time just, I mean, that's just pounded with a hammer into all of us that nothing else we do matters if we can't get the customer service side right. And that that's the entire driver of the business. That's why it was starting from, you know, that was the, the pitch that was given to me and stuck for so long. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad that, that was, was instilled in you and you still kind of carry that with you to this day. It's something that we're certainly, you know, trying to hammer home and, and reinforce via our core values, et cetera. Um, you know, one one caveat might be, and it's more prevalent now more than ever, is just the, the safety, the well-being of our employees as well. You know, obviously, and I hope people can appreciate that. If there's one thing where we won't make a sacrifice, you know, it's in regards to the safety and well-being of our employees in order to, to serve our customers. So those things are, are two of our highest priorities right now as we navigate this uh, these uncharted waters of, you know, the COVID-19 world, how do we keep our employees, uh, ensure their well-being, but also meet our, meet, if not exceed our customers' expectations, you know, so you'll see some messaging on our site in regards to potential delays, things along those lines, because, uh, and quite honestly, we're not the only ones struggling. So some of our suppliers are, are overwhelmed as well, but we're, we're doing the best we can, and we're just going to try and keep messaging, updated messaging for our customers, so you guys know what to expect if you are to place an order. And we're just really doing the, the best that we can. And everybody is busting ass, to be honest with you. I mean, the, right. the team has come together. And whether they're uh, among those that are working from home like my, myself, or if they're at the shop and in their manufacturing or warehouse side of things, everybody is just really putting in a ton of additional effort to try and get those orders out. And I'm, I'm super proud of them. Yeah, yeah, we definitely... It's definitely a lot of the, one of our other core values being the pit crew mentality here. We've definitely, I think, seen a lot of that. Me as somebody coming into this situation now, this is like the first real big curveball that's, I guess, been thrown at us that affects me and my job here since I've been here. And it's it's astonishing to me, um, being new to the organization, how much people actually step in from other areas to just help out where they can. And um, ultimately, like we've been saying, I guess the common theme here is to help put the customer first and make sure, like you said, to meet or exceed any expectations we possibly can. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah, the the only other thing, I mean, and it wasn't even close. I mean, we did start in 2006, so we were um, around and had to deal with the, you know, the financial crisis in 2008 onward. But in what was could be called the worst economic downturn since the Great Depression, we grew exponentially. Experiencing something kind of similar now in this crisis 
And um, that was something that we, we kind of dove into a little bit in a strategy workshop the other day. Was, Why is this happening? You know, I mean, these are, it's discretionary. People don't need these parts typically. You know, what is, what is causing this spike in the middle of a global pandemic? And, and what we kind of figured out is like, we're not selling to our customers. Right? Like, this is your passion as, a, as a, an automotive enthusiast. And no matter what's happening in the world, maybe especially more so when there's fear and anxiety and worry about what's happening, everybody needs an escape. And right. cars are the escape. And this is where you know you can go out in the garage and you lose track of time because you're having so much fun uh, just enjoying spending time with your vehicle and, and reaping the benefits of, of whatever that last part was that you put on. That kind of really that, that made me feel pretty good about what we're doing. For a long time, I thought, oh, we just have a car parts greater purpose you know why are we here I'm looking at it through that lens and i think i think we're bringing joy to a lot of people and enabling them you know like to, to, to find that escape from the day-to-day -day. pretty rough out there right now yeah i know i mean it gets hard to just be cooped up in your house and it's especially hard when you run out of stuff to do for days on end if, if you're trying to be safe and it's easy to want to just throw in the towel and just want to go out and do whatever and be reckless i think it's easier to do that than to you know, be safe at home or whatever. But I think that most people care enough to, you know, try and be as, you know, safe as they can. And at the same time, do something they love, which again, they can do in their garage, which happens to be something that we're able to provide. I remember smiling a little bit when I saw the, 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 the stay at home order from the Minnesota governor, at least when it said that driving for pleasure is allowed. And I'm like, yep, I'm gonna do yeah. a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, before we dive into some more, you know, questions and whatnot, I just want to take some of these questions or comments from the people we've got who've joined us live here. Um, we got somebody called uh, Dadbod Season Six Ten, and he wanted to let us know uh, that he loves the Stage Two kit for the nineteen STI. It lets me take some people to Gapplebees on my YouTube channel. Can't wait for Stage Three. It's awesome. Thank you, Dad Bod Season. I'm glad you love it. Uh, one question about proving grounds from Brad. Uh, he's wondering if it's on or not. And uh, Brad, again, we are just trying to go with what the government is, you know, calling for the event. Um, it sounds like if it's allowed to happen, that you know, again, it'll happen. It might be very a little bit of a different experience from the you know, past years and prior proving grounds. Um, but it's hard to say exactly what it's going to look like until we get a little closer to the date. Yeah, I can speak on that a little bit if you want. We, it was yeah. a discussion that we had, you know, among the, the leadership team in regards to what messaging should we be putting out there to um, our customers and our employees. A lot of our employees are super stoked to get out there and love the event. But, you know, I mean, so so what are we, you know, a month away, less than a month away? Certainly a step was taken in the right direction in, in Minnesota here with the lifting of the stay-at-home order and, and allowing groups up to size, you know, 10 people, I believe. But I just, it, it's really hard for me to see a path towards uh, large gatherings being deemed acceptable, you know, by the governor, by the state, by the time that this event's going to take place. So, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, if it does happen, it's not going to be like years past. And, you know, one of the big things that I think is not going to happen, there's been talk about, you know, would they maybe not allow camping or, or shut it down in some period of time? I mean, so the, 
the big party that is proving grounds, you know, is, is I can say with a high degree of certainty is not going to happen this year. You know, is some sort of driving event with social distancing built in possible? Um, I would say, yeah, it's still on the table. You know, we haven't heard definitely not. I still think that that's going to be a stretch. So it, it's a bummer because I know like I said a lot of our employees and a lot of our customers are planning on going out and, and um, I'm sure everybody could use, uh, you know, an escape from from their day to day, from from work, from whatever it is that they're doing. But I just think the timing, you know, maybe isn't right. So it's going to be hard for us as an organization to condone any sort of a large gathering that right. could potentially put people at risk, you know, at this point in time. So so that's something that we're, we're kind of struggling with because we certainly want, you know, we love proving grounds. We love the idea of getting out there and doing what you love in your car, but we have to do it in a safe manner. And so we're continuing, you know, the, the lines of communication with Brainerd are open constantly and we're just kind of monitoring the situation and we'll we'll see how it plays out over the next couple of weeks here. Yeah, and I mean, who knows? Things could be different by PG2 um, and things could look differently for that. So I guess just being hopeful there is kind of, you know, at least where my head goes for, for the best events and for everybody to ultimately have fun in a safe way, you know? Yeah. And we certainly appreciate your, your patience with us as we, you know, dig ourselves out of this hole here. And we certainly appreciate, you know, everybody's business if that you're sending our way at this point in time. Um, we're feeling very fortunate to have these problems where we have too much order volume and we're trying to figure out how are we going to, uh, going to, you know, like I said, meter exceed the expectations of our customers at this point, because um, we're well aware of, of several other businesses or industries that that are struggling or completely shut down. So feeling very fortunate in that regard and um, really appreciate your, your patience as you bear with us as we kind of navigate this. I mean, we, you know, the week of March 16th, we saw a pretty significant reduction in order volume and we were like, uh-oh, what are we going to do now? And so we devised a bunch of plans around that scenario and uh ever since it's just been like uh, a tidal wave and so now we uh we're having to go the other way and we're actually hiring uh if you're in minnesota take a look at our careers right. page we need some help so yeah. you know we're beautiful minnesota yeah we're that or a remote work hack man we're, we're open to anything at this point so but yeah we're we're now trying to hire in the middle of a global pandemic and that's an interesting new challenge. So, so thank you for uh, bearing with us. You know, it's hard to get, again, like we said, under these times where we're being flooded with, you know, orders and inquiries and things like that. It's just been interesting to adapt to that, especially under different, different times. So I guess then the next thing that we could dive into here, Chris, is really kind of the first question that I had for you. And one was kind of how, you know, you started uh, the business and kind of how you got into it. Again, I know you mentioned that you were um, into drag racing at the time, you know, everything kind of came up, but I mean, I, I'd personally love to hear the whole story behind this. Wow. Well, I guess I got to go pretty far back then. So it was in, uh, in high school and it started out first, it was car audio. So a friend of mine, we kind of competed in high school, Andrew Duran. I don't know if he's, uh, he's out there on, in Facebook world. Um, but maybe he'll see this. So, uh, we went back and forth in regards to who had the loudest car audio system. So that was what started it. And uh, I think it was shortly, you know, maybe a year or so after we got our driver's license, I think I was 17, he went and bought a, a five liter Ford Mustang. You know, naturally at that point I had to, I had to get into the game and this was, and, and a lot of credit is due to the, the initial Fast and the Furious movie. I mean, come on. Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, like, oh, oh those guys and that whole movie franchise, uh, a ton of credit as well. It, it honestly is what played a huge part in what sparked my interest and got this this all rolling. I bought a 1995 Mitsubishi Eclipse GST front wheel drive turbo. Of course. Uh, and I nearly bought a non-turbo car, which, I mean, 
holy cow, where would we be today if that would have come to fruition? Yeah, I'm so, glad you did. So, so really glad I got the turbo car, um, but that's kind of what got me started. So then, you know, it went from car audio to now whose car is faster. And so it was back and forth, back and forth with upgrades, et cetera, to try and <clears throat> modify our vehicles and, uh, you know, get, get, get the fastest car in the quarter mile. So it was at that point, as Dalen mentioned earlier, where we kind of come to realize some of the shortcomings in the automotive aftermarket. And this was 2006, you know, or even sooner, 2004, 2005, the internet was not, uh, as, as robust, uh, as it is today, saw some opportunities there. And, um, I, I don't know what actually was the catalyst for me to, to think that I wanted to start a business. Um, I was super, super naive, but, um, decided I was going to, going to start a business and it was either going to be in consumer electric as I, I mentioned earlier, uh, where I was working or in the automotive aftermarket, which was my my hobby, my passion at the time. And it just simply had a lower barrier of entry. I, we, I had a friend of mine build a website for me while I was just in a living in a townhouse. I actually bought some inventory and had it in my closet. So it started with tile sport, blow-off valves and wastegates, and fuel injector clinic fuel injectors. Um, I used a credit card to buy that. It sat in my office or in my my uh, closet of my house for a long time without selling anything. Wow. So that was great. But yeah, and I, and I just had a website. And then from there, started to get on the forums. And back in that day, it was DSM tuners and DSM talk. Those are two of the forums that I hopped on. I guess initially started to not get a, a lot of traction. When things got real. Or in your room, were you kind of worried about that? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, you know, I had to pay, on credit pay and minimum credit card payments and interest on that stuff. Right. But yeah, thinking back, it's it, so a when it got real serious, there was, a, and, I, and I mentioned I'm the co-founder of my, our other co-founder, Kyle Nelson, at, at this, in this time period, was working on cars out of his garage. And he is, as you know, I mean, he's the, he's the wrench, he's the gearhead, he's right. the, the, the engineer, computer guy, sales, marketing, you know, what have you. Sure. Um, so I just kind of joked around with him like, hey, we should start a shop. You work on cars. I'll do the sales and marketing, the computer stuff. What do you think? And he's, uh, you know, got him on board. And, and the next thing you know, we were leasing a warehouse space with a little bit of office in Plymouth, Minnesota, and uh, signed a lease for five years, having no idea what I was getting myself into from a liability perspective. And, you know, fortunately, it worked out, but it, it really started with, support from the local community here in Minnesota, because almost all of our revenue initially was from installation or repair labor. Then it kind of grew from there. It wasn't until, so that was mid 2006. And then early 2007 is when we really started to get some traction in regards to selling products. Uh, The first kind of hot part we were selling were Brian Crower uh, camshafts for the, the DSMs. I remember I was on a cruise ship with my parents on vacation, and I was talking to Brian Crower on my cell phone for like $3 a minute or something on this cruise ship, uh, <laughs> trying to, trying to iron out all the details. And, um, so it was a crazy time and that's what kind of got us started. And then from there, you know, that, that focus on the customer experience kind of took over and we just, we treated people well, we did what we said we were going to do. We offered good, uh, you know, competitive pricing. The word started to spread and we took off like wildfire and that was between so 2007 to 2010, we grew something like 843%. And that's what landed us on the, the Inc. 500 list of fastest growing privately held companies in 2011. Yeah, that's crazy. Especially during that time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was, like I said, that was through the worst economic downturn since right. the Great Depression. I mean, we didn't feel it at all. It was just exactly like what we're experiencing now. It's like just a tidal wave and all we can do is hold on. Right. Yeah, try and surf the wave. But you know, like crazy. every week we had a new employee. Like, for a while, <laughs> yeah, right? oh yeah, yep, yep. Added a bunch of staff. Uh, every every 
family member and friend that I could talk to, like came and worked for the organization. So, um, but that was pretty cool because now we have this tremendous core of people that have been with us for, for quite a long time. Yeah. Well, and so what's crazy for me is looking back at stuff now that's on the, like you had hinted to about the forums, you guys hopped on there. And, you know, I was actually just talking to Dalen not long ago. I was looking through uh, some stuff about Evo 10s online and it led me back to like the Evo 10 forums where it's like you posting from like when we first broke, you know, like 400 wheel on the Evo 10 in like 2011. And there was some guy in the forum like, no, you definitely can't with, you know, the stock turbo. And you're like, well, we just did it. It's funny you say that. And here's exactly our setup, you know, and it's just funny how, you know, looking back in the forums, even just how much during that time we had the voice of the industry, you know, so strongly and we led that market so strong. Yeah, if you go back on either, I think Evolution M or yeah. Evil X forums, there is a username, my first and last name, and you yeah. can find some of the posts. And yeah, I was, uh, I was certainly much more involved at, at that point uh, in some of the the day to day stuff and the the customer facing communications. But yeah, we were we were uh, real deep in those in those two platforms, and still continue to be to yeah. this day. You know, obviously, there the the Mitsubishi stuff still maintains a, a large chunk of our overall sales. So. Yeah, and it looks like we have some comments here as well. Uh, we've got one from Kua. If I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, he said, "Yo, I remember the map 1G DSM on YouTube." Wondering where that's at right now. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows. There are a few of them, but if they're referencing Kyle's blue car at all, mm -hmm. that car is actually back at the shop and owned by one of the employees and has been kind of brought back to life. But there were a lot of map one GDSM, so that could be going uh, multiple directions. That's the only one that I recall. Yeah, Kyle's blue yeah. car that went. I can't remember how fast. It got into the nines, didn't it? Yeah, that was a nine-second car back then. Yeah. Yeah, that car's actually back with uh, one of our one of our younger employees, and I think he just got it running earlier this year. Yeah, I see it back. I see the blue one back. You know, back yeah, there. The, the, the blue one in the, in the back lot is actually Kyle's. Uh, one of Kyle's original DSM. Okay, that car's got some history. Yeah, as far other, as far as other MAP cars, I mean, obviously we have the the Honda Civic that we were drag racing last year, and still have have that bad boy, and we're trying to figure out what exactly we plan to do with that this year. Uh, you yeah, know, whether we keep going with it or Yeah. Yeah. So that one's been the focus of our, you know, race on Sunday, sell on Monday side of the business. So but yeah. very, ha very happy with what we were able to accomplish. As far as I know, we still have the ET record for that platform, don't we? It's, I Maybe think we e lost it to somebody yeah. who wrecked it, but we had it up until very recently. Well, sounds like a challenge that a, the gauntlet has been thrown. It's more, it's more fun that way. Mm -hmm. Got to let other people catch up sometimes. <laughs> kind of another thing that we've really honed in on the last couple of years is, is these kits, you know, you hear stage one, stage two, um, right. you know, trying to make sure what we kind of realize is that the easier we make it for our customers, these enthusiasts to get these products, install it on their vehicle and get to the, that end goal of realizing, you know, whether it's uh, a horsepower gain or um, they want to beat their friend's car, whatever it is that they're shooting for, the easier we make that, um, you know, the, the, easier it is for you guys to to find that joy to find that escape to achieve your goals so we've really focused on putting kits together making it as easy as possible you know like for instance obviously ramon has the tune you know to, to not have to go 
to a shop, get a custom dyno tune or, you know, work with somebody for, from an e-tuning perspective and just have everything in one package and know that it's going to work out of the box. Because we were a dyno shop and we did do tuning, we did do service work, like we understood the amount of work that went into that and to help like pull that off of the customer's plate was just kind of a key to making it easier to access and like easier to modify your car. Well, that, and, and I just want to speak real quickly to the level of scrutiny and the attention to detail that goes into the tunes that we are uh, including with these packages. Uh, Dalen knows firsthand, uh, you know, what's involved. And I am, I just, I keep talking about feeling fortunate and, and gratitude, but um, the team we have in that regard, uh, in regards to uh, our tuning, devising these packages and making sure that we are crossing our T's and dotting our I's. I mean, it is, it is a tremendous team of people and the the product that they've been able to put out is exceptional. Yeah, I'm, I'm consistently blown away by people here just all over the place and how much they know in their industries. But we, we talked about something and it kind of brought up a memory uh, of so talking about Chris being on the forums and like he uses first and last name as a username, like semi beside the point where like no one at this business was ever afraid to like hide behind anything like we always were who we were. And like, that was definitely an example that was set for everyone is that like just own everything. But I remember there being this huge thing on, I think it was Evolution M, but it, it was one of the Evo forums that people didn't believe that it was really Chris answering <laughs> under his username. Like it was this big like scandal. Like people thought it was just one of us answering and like signing out as Chris every time. And if we would get him on the phone or if we talk like, no, that was actually Chris that you were talking to. He was kind of like a celebrity on that forum for a while. And people just didn't believe that he had the time to answer these questions and would be blown away and were like, no, that's who you were private messaging. That's Chris, the owner of the company. No way. And it was like this big scandal for a little while. We had to like convince people that it was really him. And that was always really funny. Yep, I was out there and it makes you want to do it, you know, again. So maybe we'll see if I can dabble a little bit here and there. I did help with some support tickets right around Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So maybe some people saw my, my name on there, but yeah, that was, that was fun. I love kind of interacting with, with customers and kind of get a feel for, for what's going on. So when you, when you jumped in on black Friday, I, I want to get you, cause I, I kind of did the same thing. Did it feel way different than when you did it before? Or did everything like, did everything feel the same or did you kind of like get this like, Whoa, it's way different now feeling. Well, for our, from a technology perspective, obviously we're using different, you know, we've invested a lot in the infrastructure for in terms of software and et cetera. Um, yeah. So that absolutely felt different, but yeah, I mean, the, the inquiries were, rel you know, relatively the same. So that was kind of, yeah. uh, unfortunately they applied more so to new platforms. So um, all this knowledge that I have about, you know, 90 to 99 Mitsubishi Eclipse and some Evo 8 stuff, and maybe a little bit of Evo 10, uh, you know, not as relevant as it was in, in years past, unfortunately. I'm sure there are a lot of the same style questions, though. I mean, people still want to make more power, and they probably still encounter a lot of the same issues. So one thing I wanted to ask, obviously, over the years, you've seen a lot of different builds kind of come and go, and ones that maybe were yours personally, some that were shop projects and things like that but out of everything or this is there anything that really stands out to you from over the years that was like your favorite or not as much i had some very good times in that white rx7 that we had back in the day you know i mean i think everybody the fdsm as it was coined yeah there's a there's several different instances that i can remember where that brought you know that ear-to-ear -ear smile on my face just 
because of what happened, you know, two, two and two of which happened in Norwalk, um, Ohio, down at the DSM shootout. The, that was actually the first time we brought the car down there without having it having ever made a pass of any sort. And uh, so we were, of course, we stayed under the speed limit the entire time, but we were yeah. doing some testing in Norwalk prior to the race event. And uh, the first time that that car uh, well, I, I had uh, our tuner at the time in the passenger seat. And the first time that that car actually went and uh, kind of threw you back. And it, it was just the coolest thing I had ever experienced. So, uh, like I said, you, you smile from year to year. And um, I think that was the the weekend where we couldn't get the car to launch. We couldn't get it on the converter. So we took off very slowly, but it ended up running like 12.5 at like 150 plus miles an hour. I, whatever it was, was just insane. But that was that was a great weekend. That was a great experience that I'll never forget. Uh, and then the other time, which was when we went into eliminations, we were the first round of eliminations at the shootout and they just played the national anthem. And we were the first set of cars up and they're like, gentlemen, start your engines after the national anthem. Like everybody is watching. And uh, the car laid down a pretty amazing pass. I think that was when it went 8-1 eight, eight, at 171. <clears throat> so it was the fastest pass that the car would ever make. And, and needless to say, we, we won the round. And everybody was cheering. And, and that was awesome, too. So so some great, great memories in that car. I will, I will never forget them. So And it's still out there. And I know the owner. And I know that he's trying to sell the chassis. And we just can't come to an agreement on price. But someday, maybe it will make its way back into. Is the it floor. a local white? It's a local white shell. It's not Is local. It I think he's in. Grand? No, it's not because okay. I would buy a freight grand. Uh, the gentleman that has, I think, is in Nebraska, maybe. It's like upper mid, like lower mid. Yeah, and uh, he, he this was years ago. I sold it to him probably five years ago. I don't think he's even touched it. So, but yeah, the, the offer is still out there. He know he knows my price, and we're like I said, we're a little ways apart. But you <laughs> we know, put maybe, a motor in it. Maybe it'll make its way back. And I think we'd go back straight to the 4G man. Like we tried, we put the LS in there, and those were some. So we're talking about the high highs, right? There were some low lows too. And that's what I just can't, I, I had to take a, a break from drag racing for a while. Like, man, you, you get everything ready and you go out to the racetrack and we, we drive, there were a couple of years we drove all the way to Norwalk only to have a car, the car break immediately, not be repaired. Not like little break, just, like really break. Yeah. I mean, so much time and money wasted or to just have it rain. You drive 11 yeah. hours. And it rains the whole weekend and you can't do anything. That was my my frustration with drag racing is, you know, you, there, there's so much, you're, you're rolling the dice in regards to whether it's going to be the best weekend of your life or the worst weekend of your life. It could go either way. So it's just the, the roller coaster of emotions was, was hard for me to deal with. So I think that drag racing specifically, well, and just racing in general is one of those, is one of those things where you've got to be in love with it for the process and like the, the journey of, and the enjoyment of the day in and day outs of it, or you're going to absolutely hate it or you're yeah. going to absolutely love it, but that'll eventually end. Yeah. That or like the, the community too, like, and, and that, that was some great stuff just, you know, to, to spend time with people that we didn't get to see as often, but I, I was always going for the result. And I think that you're exactly right. That set me up for, um, you know, potential failure or to have, have a bad weekend. Whereas if you look at it, like this is a, a journey and I'm going to spend time with friends and whether the car does well or not, I'm going to have a good time. You know, I think it, it really does come down to mindset, but you know, this was, 
while it was a passion of mine, it was also a business thing. And we were trying to trying to go out there and, and strut our stuff. So it, it just got there. There were some points where it was extremely frustrating. I mean, I met, I remember uh, changing trailer tires on the side of the highway on mm-hmm. the way to Norwalk. And and then uh, Kyle left his cell phone and, uh, you know, the whole nine yards. So we, we had some, there's definitely some memories that were made, but, you know, some, while some are very good, others are not so good. And uh, yeah, it was, it can be tough. It's, and it's funny because like, you, you hear the joy and the happiness talking about, but like, as the memories come back, it kind of like, wait, it wasn't all fun. It wasn't, no. And I kind of remember we had like the, with those cars, like both the old Evo 8 and the DSM, we had kind of the, the proving grounds curse where like we would work, I mean, we would set two or three weeks aside where we would get these cars ready. Like we're so excited to show them off. Like these things are going to be the fastest cars ever. And then it would like shoot a head bolt 180 feet in the air. And we're like, how did it, what? Why now? Yeah. This has never happened before. And like now that we've made an announcement that we're going to run our car and the entire area is congregated to watch it, it's going to spectacularly blow up. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, if you can't just take that with stride, it's mind numbing. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we talk about the race program. Like, I know that even talking about doing that was kind of, it was a difficult process to decide because we had to come at it from the right way. Like, you know, we had to have people like Charlie that has the ability to do content and like we can make it, uh, you know, a story and where if the car blows up, we learn something. We can help customers with that info. Whereas if it just blows up and we're only there to go fast, we're kind of like, oh, crap, like that didn't work at all. Interesting stuff for sure. Um, looks like we got a few a few more questions and comments here. Joshua, thanks for tuning in. Joshua says, Good business plan, strong vision and execution. Well done, Chris and team. Joshua, thank you. I've known Josh for many, many, many years. So okay. uh, he's been been a uh, integral part of the automotive community in the Twin Cities here. So good to, good to hear from you, Josh. Uh, let's see, Corey. 40, Corey Kircher. Yep. Been a long time customer. 4G63 is the best motor for an FD. Got one up here by St. Cloud. Hopefully it's still running good numbers. <laughs> I would have to agree. Like I said, that was, it was a beast. Uh, let's see what else we got going on. You have, you have Chris K making a comment too. If there's one person that spent a lot of time working on broken uh, FDSM, it's Chris K. Uh, <laughs> yes. Head gasket out of the front of the engine on the dyno is quite possibly one of the most interesting things I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, I see that comment here now. That's what you're reading. One question again for you here, Chris. Uh, you know, one thing that I've been thinking about here is, you know, again, we're, we're modern automotive performance. And today, you know, it's like something like a small percentage of car. I can't remember how small the percentage is, but are actually sold with manual transmissions nowadays. And uh, even then, and there's electric cars, which operate entirely differently. Um, with like the future of the aftermarket auto industry in mind, what it what comes to the forefront for you, and you know what are some of your thoughts on how that's all going? So I think right now, in general, in regards to what our organization's strengths are, is that everything is kind of played into our hands in regards to small displacement turbocharged engines. You know, I mean, obviously there's a focus on fuel efficiency, um, you know, from the government and, and through the automakers. And for now, we get to kind of reap the benefits of that, you know, with these new platforms and new marks that are finally, you know, delving into the turbo side of things. So I'm really excited for, for what the future holds in the near term for turbocharged engines 
that are that are going to be coming out of these new platforms moving forward you know you think five years from now ten years from now there's a lot of interesting questions that you can get into with you know the right. idea of electric cars and obviously Tesla's getting a lot of traction and you've got I think Volkswagen or Audi group is, is they're uh, getting some traction as well Chevrolet I mean you know Ford so everybody's moving down that path and we'll, we'll kind of see where it goes and then you know the other thought I, I have two daughters uh, one's 12 and one's eight and like a question in my mind is and it's just interesting to think about Charlie how, how old's your uh, my daughter's two two so got you get a while but like yeah. so that's a that's a broad range right I think my 12 year old's probably gonna get her driver's license will my eight-year-old ever have to get her driver's license or are there gonna be autonomous cars driving right. around and there's no need for you to own a vehicle or know how to drive a vehicle and so it's just a, a, an interesting perspective to think through and like what does that mean e even in that circumstance the customer the enthusiast that we cater to it, this is not you know simply a means of transportation for them you know this is like i said this is their escape this is their passion this is where they find some joy you know in their life and i think they're going to continue that that's going to continue to be a thing for the foreseeable future but maybe it's electric cars you know i don't know and that's that's something to, to think about keep i'm keeping my eye certainly on you know tesla and what they're doing and and the success they're having and there's people that are certainly drag racing them there's people that are road course racing them and they you know they have their limitations but over time i think those you know they're only going to improve in that regard so i think electric cars is going to be a part of the future for motorsports and yeah. um you know everybody's going to have to adapt and and kind of welcome it uh, you know, into the fold and, and we'll see how, how we're going to be able to suit those things up. So, you know, is it a, is it a tune? Is it bigger batteries? Is it, you know, a focus on suspension and braking? Is it aerodynamics, uh, weight reduction? You know, I mean, all those things, I think there's a lot of, a lot of avenues we can go down and yeah, we'll see what the future holds. But I do think that that's five or 10 years out, but at the end of the day, there's always going to be motorsports and there's always going to be enthusiasts because there's, there's nothing like the adrenaline rush, you know, just getting thrown back in your seat as you're accelerating in, uh, in, in a vehicle. Right. Yeah. And, you know, even then, you know, I think a lot of people, in, I guess myself specifically, for sure, I think through then, you know, do you, especially with like the decline in manual transmissions, you know, like actual manual transmissions, you know, there's a difference between, you know, shifting paddles and shifting gears with a you know an actual clutch and everything so i think that for me like personally i don't think that i'll ever stop searching for cars with manual transmissions and i think a lot of other enthusiasts feel the same way dalen doesn't care <laughs> whatever's so, fast man whatever's so fast so the the only thing i can speak to there is i i do like a good manual transmission i have i've had my share you know like i said we talked about I had an Evo 8 back in the day. That was a six-speed Evo 10. And I went to a BMW 335i for a while. That was a six-speed. Loved the feel of the manual transmission. Loved the engagement of me having to actually drive the car. And then I got an R35 GTR. And, you know, you just throw everything else out the window because right. that, that transmission is what makes that car. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, paddle shifters and, and a dual clutch transmission that shifts faster than I could ever hope to. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and so I've been up to proving grounds or i've been to power cruise which is another local event at Brain international raceway just um you know going around the road course i will gain so much ground in that car when the manual transmission vehicle shifts from two to three or three to four right. 
so much ground is gained because it is instantaneous in regards to uh, you know the, the amount of time it takes to shift. So with that that DCT, so so I I, I get where you're coming from. I love the feel of it. I'd love yeah. to hop in a manual transmission car and uh, experience that. But I, I'm not you know it's not a deal breaker for me. I'm not uh, not missing it enough to to where I wouldn't wouldn't invest in a car like a you know like I said an R35 GTR. Yeah, and I mean I definitely don't think that the there's anything wrong with paddle shifters or anything like that. And they're definitely fast and they're definitely fun. I personally, I just feel like I'm if in my life, I don't have something that's a manual transmission, even if it's not crazy fast, I still miss that connection. You know what I, what I do miss? Cause the GTR is all wheel drive. Obviously I do miss just being able to do a burnout when I want to do a burnout and <laughs> I can't, I, or even, even to just rev the engine, right? Like just hit the clutch rev. Like can't do that. Like, what am I going to throw the GTR into neutral so that I can rev it? That just seems dumb. So yeah, being able to just rev the engine, make a little noise when I want to, and then drop the clutch, do a little burnout, you know, take a corner or, or you know, turn, get a little fishtail when I'm turning. Um, right. I, do, I do miss that aspect of it. So I, I would love to have, you know, a manual transmission rear wheel drive vehicle where I could experience that occasionally. Yeah, well, again, it's all just interesting to see where things go because I think, again, that it's not that there's anything that's going to be worse that comes out of it. It's just going to be different experiences. I think that it'll be it'll be fun. Again, if you love the journey, it'll be something that you can continue to have fun with. You know, the next thing that I was kind of hoping to go over were, again, maybe just some of the, you know, crazy stories from here and, you know, maybe some times where you thought maybe – Things might not work out, but you ended up coming through again where it was tough times and you were able to, you know, push through it all and make it all work out. I thought maybe we could do some of that and, and wrap things up. In the so in the business sense, you mean in regards yeah. to the shop? Yeah. I'm trying to think if there was a time where I thought it might not work out. Um, I think a lot of people look at it and think it's all just always, you know, rainbows and butterflies, you know. Yeah, it's definitely not. And I mean, like the, the only period that was, so I, I guess I never really felt like we wouldn't make it, but there was definitely a period of time where I was frustrated because we had stopped growing. So it was about a three-year period. I want to say it was from like 2012 to 2015 where we kind of stalled. That was a bit frustrating. And I think what, what happened at that point was everything caught up with us. You know, we were riding that tidal wave through, through 2011 um, of exponential growth. And we got to the point where we had, you know, I guess I don't know how many people were on the team, 30 or 40 at this point in time, but we had to grow up. I mean, quite honestly, like we had to figure out a way to manage, lead and manage people in an organization of that size. And we had no experience with that before. And so I think that was the biggest challenge for us was trying to figure out how do we, um, you know, manage an organization of this size and then reignite the growth that had stalled during that three-year period. So I could talk for hours on end about some of the things that we implemented, to, you know, as you're aware, EOS, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial operating system that we, we continue to use to this day, uh, a local peer group that I joined to learn from other entrepreneurs, a uh, an online forum of e-commerce professionals that has provided a tremendous amount of value. And I think that was actually an interesting thing to talk about is, is kind of the shift, you know, from we were always uh, and and bounce around here. So at one point in time, we started, we decided to stop doing installation and repair services for customers. Right. And really focus on what we felt like we could be the best in the world at. And that was the e-commerce side of our business supported by the manufacturing 
and the private label line of products that we offer. And so that was an interesting decision because that's what started the whole business was the right. installation and repair labor. And we basically shut it down. In hindsight, I think that was one of the better decisions that we ever made because um, we could really invest on the e-commerce side of things and the manufacturing side. I mean, that's what I was going to kind of get to is, you know, we, we had to change the perception as, you know, employees are part of this team. What we, you know, we don't longer work for an auto shop. You know, we are an e-commerce company. And so that was a change in perspective and, and, and it helped us think about things in a different way. And I think that's, I would attribute a lot of our success since that point from that change in thinking and those decisions that were made at that point in time. So yeah, all of our, you know, again, to talk, talking more about gratitude, like, uh, you know, most of the challenges that we've encountered over the years have been growth related. We're growing too fast. How do we handle this? Um, how can we get the right people in the right seats? How can we ensure we're serving our customers and meeting or exceeding their expectations? You know, those are the kind of challenges that we ran into. So, you know, fortunately it was never, hey, I think we're going to go out of business or we're not going to be able to pay payroll next time. You know, we really never experienced anything like that. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, it sounds like, and again, I could be wrong here, but it sounds like a lot of the issues or potential issues that could have arose were how do we continue to grow at good rate and not let customers down and still live up to these expectations that we put in place for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And that's still a challenge for us to this day. You know, we have a target growth rate that we're trying to do year over year. And if that plan plays out as we have forecasted, then great. But oftentimes, you know, even despite our best efforts, we're unable to plan for what's truly going to happen, for instance, 2020. And, and now we find ourselves scrambling, trying to onboard people quicker. And, you know, the, the old mantra is to hire slow and fire fast. Right. And, you know, we're having to try and hire people as fast as possible, which is not the way that we want to be doing things, but we need to get people in here, you know, again, service our, our customers, get packages out, handle customer support inquiries, manufacture products. So trying to adapt our uh, recruiting and onboarding tactics to enable us to onboard people more quickly, but also ensure that they're the right people and that we're going to put them in the right seat. You know, we're not going to have to do this all over again in three months because it didn't work out. Right. So that's that's yeah. a, a recurring challenge. And, and like I said, I, but at the same time, you're going to have to deal with some issues and I'd much rather be dealing with that than, you know, trying to string together how we're going to make payroll next. So, yeah, I suppose. I mean, you could pick and choose the problems you get to have. Well, I'm again, I mean, Chris, I want to thank you again for making the time today to jump on and kind of be live here with us today. I know it's not always easy to carve out time, but I do appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. Is there uh, anything that you'd want to leave the folks with before you jump off today? Um, I guess just two things that I think I've, I've mentioned, you know, and maybe I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but I, I just want to say thank you to our customers for your support um, over the years and, and throughout these uh, uncertain times in 2020 here. Um, you know, hopefully we're uh, able to, to live up to your expectations and get you the products that that you want or need, you know, to find that escape and, and bring some joy to your life uh, in these, these uncertain times. Um, and then just thank the team. You know, none of this would have been possible without the tremendous uh, team that we've put together over the years. Half of us are working from home right now. The other half are still having to go into the facility. It takes a village to, to make all of this happen. And, and I don't know if from an outsider's perspective, people really appreciate how much work goes into to running this machine, but it, it, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort and it takes 
tremendous, talented people in each of those departments to, to make it all happen. So yeah, I just want to say thank you to to our team for, for your efforts and I hope everybody, customers and employees are, are staying well out there in this uh, interesting times. When we all shifted to working from home and watching kind of what was going to happen, there was so much uncertainty in the air and like the discussions that we had about, you know, what's next, what are we going to do? And like, even from, like, I'm more on like the mid-level side of stuff, like how do we support on either side? Like having the customer groups that we have and having the people support us and having the employees that like have been willing to sacrifice stuff. Like that's having that person next to you or having that person in front of you on the customer side, it's just, it's incredible. Like it's, it's something that we take for granted in normal worlds and don't think about it as much. But with all of this going on, like we just, every single day we come in and like whether you have a hundred new emails or have, you know, a hundred PMs on Facebook or something like that, to have that kind of interest and have that kind of support and having people thank us and like understand the seats that we're sitting in and, and having all of that is just it's incredible and it's uh we're all thankful to have the have the options to do what we want to do everything yeah and i'm just thankful to be able to do you know something that i love day in and day out and having somewhere that we can you know somewhere i can show up to every day and you know make stuff happen so um for me it's just a blessing. Um, I'm grateful and thankful to be able to do what we do. And like you guys have both said, it's not possible without the rest of the team and it's not possible without, you know, the customers that we have. So um, I think we're all echoing each other when it comes to that sort of stuff. Yeah. One last, I guess one last uh, group that I would like to thank is just our vendor partners as well. I mean, we have some tremendous partners in this industry, um, you know, whether manufacturers we're working with directly or, or our warehouse distributors, just feeling very fortunate to have those relationships. And, you know, we've got 14 years under our belt. And I just want to say thank you to all of our, our vendor partners as well. Thanks again, you guys, for tuning in. But that's going to that's gonna end it for today. Uh, so thanks again for tuning in to another episode. And we'll see you next week uh, where we'll have another special guest for us. So we'll see you then. Thanks, everyone. And there you have it, guys. Hopefully you learned something that you can either take with you into the garage or bring with you to the track. Tune in next week for another episode. We'll see you then. Is that good enough? Yeah. Okay.